ESPN 1420, KPEL Lafayette, ESPN 103.3, K277DQ Lafayette, a Town Square media station. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Great Scott Show on a Monday. We only have three football games left this season. Kind of makes me a little sad to say it out loud, but then I remember what we got to experience over the weekend, and oh my goodness, it was the best divisional round best playoff round of football that we've ever had. Most entertaining. You had three games and a quarter of another game that were unforgettable. I mean, Bucks-Rams was kind of lousy for a while, and then things got really sloppy in the fourth quarter, but it was hella memorable. Hella memorable. Cincinnati-Tennessee was great. High entertainment value. San Francisco-Green Bay for a game that had a touchdown on the opening drive and didn't have an offensive touchdown the rest of the night was still memorable because when the stakes are that high, when legacies are not fully defined, but in a lot of ways defined, it can make or break a legacy. It can change the legacy. It can change the conversation about a player currently and historically. And when it comes down to games that are that close, you had four walk-offs. Three games that ended on a walk-off field goal at the end of regulation and another game that ended in a walk-off touchdown in overtime. A game that ended in overtime between the Bills and the Chiefs. I mean, I'm, I'm still riding off of the energy of that thing. I mean, good Lord. It was the last two minutes of that game. The last two minutes of that game. I mean, holy. Yeah. Holy. Under two minutes. Fourth and 13. Oh, well, if the Bills don't score here. Game's probably over because how are they going to stop Kansas City from getting some first downs? Yeah, yeah, they have all three timeouts, but they got to score here. And then there were others that were suggesting, oh, well, the Bills need to kick a field goal here. And then kick it off, and then you're only down two, and you try to stop Mahomes. The Bills knew better. They weren't stopping the Chiefs offense at that point. They needed a touchdown. They got it. Little did we know that on 4th and 13, there would be Four more scores. It took the Chiefs 52 seconds to score where Tyree Kill is throwing up the peace sign from the 15-yard line and running in. Kansas City's up 33-29. 
Didn't even need to, didn't even need to use a timeout. Bills have all three timeouts on the on the next drive. Scored 49 seconds, another touchdown. They scored 49 seconds, another touchdown. Josh Allen, four touchdowns. Gabriel Davis game for the ages. They only need a one timeout. So now there's only 13 seconds left. Yeah, KC has all three timeouts. I mean, 13 seconds. Buffalo, for some reason, decides, you know, not to try to kick the ball, whether it be a squib, whether it be a return, just kicked it out the back of the end zone. 13 seconds was all Mahomes needed. Two passes, boom, boom. Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Harrison Buckner gets a 49-yarder. 49, a 49-yarder. I mean, come on. Now you're going to overtime, heads or tails. Josh Allen says tails. Interesting fact, he was 9-0 and on coin toss calls all season. Yesterday he was 0-2. Kansas City gets the ball. Good luck stopping Mahomes and crew. The Chiefs march down the field. Touchdown, Travis Kelsey, ball game. 42-36. Last two minutes of the game. 29-26, 23-29, 36-33, 36-36, 42-36. Last two minutes of regulation. And then you got an overtime. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was insanity. It was madness. And the entertainment value was incredibly high. But I mean, 13 seconds, 13 seconds, 13 seconds. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Coming up this morning, we're going to visit with my friend Seth Lewis from KTC TV3 mainly about what unfolded yesterday and on Saturday, the weekend that was in the NFL. We'll talk a little Cajun hoops as well. Just incredible, man. Football is the greatest sport in the world. American football. Just incredible. I just, I'm still just feeling just that, that dopamine from that, Weekend of football. God, I love it. Looking to the end zone for the win. He caught it. Ball game. Chiefs to the championship game. Fourth straight AFC championship game. And I, of all the teams that lost this weekend, I mean, I, I, I honestly, I felt most for the Bills fans. Good Lord. That fan base, Bills Mafia, great fan base. And they have been through some heartache, man. And you know, a lot of people saying, hey, Mahomes and Josh Allen, the future of the league, the two most exciting quarterbacks. We're going to see them play many, many, many more times. You, you never know. You never know when you're going to get that close. They were that close to hosting, hosting an AFC title game next week. Imagine Buffalo at 3 o'clock Eastern time hosting an AFC title game against the Bengals. I mean, I wanted it. New blood in the AFC and the Super Bowl would have been fun. But, I mean, what can you say? Mahomes and the Chiefs do it. Rams uh, up 27-3, almost lose it to the Bucks, who then just can't cover Cooper Cup on two straight plays, walk off. 
Packers special teams and Aaron Rodgers' inability to score a touchdown after the opening drive did in Green Bay. And then the Titans turn it, Ryan Tannehill. Three interceptions. The big reason why I was waffling on my pick, but ultimately settled with Cincinnati. Joe Burrow sacked nine times, but he ain't turning the ball over. What a weekend of football. We're going to talk to Seth Lewis next. A lot more football chatter. We'll dig into it. We will also hit on Cajun hoops a little bit. Their win on Saturday, their season at this point where they're at. And we're going to have open phone lines after that in the 8 o'clock hour. More sound from last night's game. Vote in our Twitter poll. We put it up last night over at ESPN Lafayette. Was that the best weekend of football? Best weekend of playoff football ever? Yes or no? And right now, overwhelmingly, 95% saying yes. We put this poll up last night. We got a lot of votes. 95%. Man, I feel for you, Buffalo. I really do. Seth Lewis joins me next. This is the Great Scott Show. CSPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Seth Lewis coming at me next. I'll tell you guys later as well why a lot of people saying they got to change the overtime rule. It's not going to happen. I'll explain. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show. What up, guys? I'm here to tell you about the DraftKings Sportsbook that's coming to Louisiana. I'm not talking about the fantasy. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Into the Great Scott Show on a Monday. Name of that song is called Gratitude. Something I think any football fan should have after that weekend of playoff football. My God, we've been talking about it, and uh, here to talk about it with me right now, among some other things, my good friend. Been a minute since he's uh, been on the show with me. You guys, of course, know him from KTC TV three. He is the sports director over there. You see him on the air. He's hard at work off it as well. Seth Lewis is in the house this morning. And uh, Seth, have you come down yet? Or are you still just fully adrenalized by the whole weekend of playoffs? But obviously in particular, that, that, that game between the Chiefs and the Bills. I mean, my God, man, I was, I was out of breath just watching. Yeah, still fully adrenalized, 100%. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know if I slept last night. <laughs> It's, wow. I mean, the weekend was good. That game could have been a dud in the weekend overall would have been really good. But for it to end in that manner with 
um, two guys that clearly the league is trying to showcase as next up. And, I mean, rightfully so. I mean, you just saw the talent on display <clears throat> between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. And um, obviously for a lot of fans around here, they're going to say, you know, that list needs to include another name, and that's Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow is going to have a chance uh, to knock off the king um, of the AFC and Patrick Mahomes come next week. So, um, obviously them winning against the Titans and the 49ers with Elijah Mitchell from the Cajuns um, getting the victory over the Packers. And, I mean, the Rams went up 27-3, and it's crazy to think that a team up 27-3, that that lead isn't safe, but – you still felt like with Tom Brady on the other side that the game wasn't over. And lo and behold, the game wasn't over. And yet the Rams still ended up winning after the Bucks tied it. I mean, the NFL couldn't have asked for a better weekend to showcase the uh, beauty of football, the skill within the league, and um, the good hands that, uh, that they're in moving forward. We had a little bit of the past, obviously, with – Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, and they're the present too. But then the present and future with so many of the young quarterbacks. It was just an it was an exciting weekend of football, Scott. It, exciting is is an understatement, and you're right. I think for the NFL, it was the greatest weekend of uh, football ever. Greatest weekend of playoff football ever. I mean, you've had some memorable Super Bowls, but it's a single game on a single night, and the Super Bowl is the ultimate game, right? But it's 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 for sports fans and for you know sort of people that aren't even sports fans. I mean, yeah. there are a lot of people that are going to watch the Super Bowl that don't really care that didn't watch a second of football this past weekend. The divisional right. round, I, I I I made the case Friday as to why I think it's the best weekend of football. Now I I wasn't talking specifically about we're about to see the best weekend of football, even though we did. My point was like. Look, man, you get you got four games left, and I know the weekend before we had six and all that, but you had some duds. I said, the you know the divisional round I think is the best weekend for the NFL because you usually have some good games, two on Saturday, two on Sunday, um, and after that you only have three games left. I don't want to start talking about that too much because then you can get a little depressed. But like the divisional round to me every year is the weekend to look forward to the most, and I know like. You know, for for fan reasons, Saints fans, whoever, Cowboys fans, even though, you know, look what they could get done in 14 seconds versus look look what Mahomes could get done in 13 seconds. But, like, my point is, you know, Cowboys fan, their their favorite division around might be something from the 90s. You know, for uh, for the Bengals, you know, it might be this one. But prior to this past weekend, it certainly was something back in the 80s, right? My point is, take the fandom out of it. Take the phantom out of it, and and if if that like you might have a favorite divisional weekend ever because your team did something special, but if you take your own phantom out of it in terms of teams and just look at it in terms of entertaining football, what we saw Saturday and Sunday, I mean, I I, I maybe I'm caught up in the moment, Seth. I don't I don't know that we could see it topped again. Nah, you had I don't, three, I, you had four walk offs, four walk offs, three field goals on the final play, an overtime game that was bananas. I mean. You know, it's sad. It just it basically came down to heads or t- I say it, I say it basically came down to heads or tails. I mean, the Bills defense. Come on, dude. I mean, the, the, yeah. the Chiefs have thirteen seconds. Like, come on. Yeah. But it but just even, even, it was yeah, the best. Continue. Yeah, right. I mean, you talk about 
you know, when you talk about the 13 seconds, the real thing is, come on, Bill's special teams, why would you not squib kick it and then a couple seconds run off the clock? Like, why would you give him 13 seconds and the 25-yard line? I know that sounds like st- – that's still hard to do, but, like, not impossible, especially with three timeouts. Like, even if they had no timeouts, maybe it's a little bit of a different situation. But you know that the Chiefs have three timeouts. But um, it's like watching the Final Four in the, for the NCAA tournament or the Elite Eight in every game that weekend ending in a buzzer beater. Like, that is the euphoria that took place over this weekend. Um, you know, you think about, like, sticking with the Final Four, and you think about that, that half-court shot that um, Gonzaga hit to make it into the championship game um, and just how exciting that was and just, like, how much of a buzz. And, like, like obviously that shot being from half-court, going off the glass, all that stuff was, you know, amazing in its own window. But, like, that kind of happened, like, four times. <laughs> it kind of happened four times this weekend, man. I mean, and we're talking every – in every game except for one, the road team was the winner too. The Chiefs was the only home team that won, and they probably should have lost. And so, um, yeah, man, it's just <laughs> it's unbelievable. And the overtime rule should change, right? Like I, I, I think that I think. I mean, if, uh, but what what can they do? Towards a touchdown, the second team should have the opportunity to tie that, and then from that point, you go to sudden death. But I think. Sometimes when making that, like I, I said that on Twitter, right? But I, I don't want that to be confused with giving the Bills an excuse for giving up a touchdown. Well, you got to stop the touchdown because, for one, that's the rule. You know what the rule is. The rule is you can't give up a touchdown on the first drive to stay alive. Well, you have to do that. And for two, like, come on, guys. <laughs> like, you, you just had a terrible um, last two minutes. You have to buckle down at some point. Like, you have to buckle down. You have to stop playing. I don't know what they were playing in OT uh, defensively, uh, but it, it clearly wasn't working because a couple of those plays, especially the play to McCole Hallman, uh, Hallman was uh, was pretty wide open um, and got them into the red zone. Um, but there's room for both, right? There's room for, hey, this overtime rule needs to change just like it did after the Saints kicked that game-winning field goal, and they were like, okay, well, both teams deserve a chance to kick a field goal. Both teams deserve a chance to get a, a touchdown. But the defense also has to do their job. Both can be true. Seth Lewis, our guest, ESPN Lafayette. Um, it was uh, it, it was a hell of a game. You know, best game of the weekend. The, oddly enough, the I would say probably the the worst game was Bucks Rams because it wasn't a good game for a while. And then right. the way the Bucks got back into it, you weren't as much. And it, people could say this isn't fair. I don't. I really don't care. I mean. The reality is when you were watching that, you weren't saying, oh, my God, the way you were with Allen and Mahomes, right? When you were watching, when you were watching Rams-Bucks, you were like, wait, what are, what are the Rams doing? Like, did they really just fumble again? Like, are they trying to give the – wait, they just – wait, Jalen Ram, they're not playing prevent when they're up two scores with three minutes left? Like, wait, what – touchdown? What's happened? They fumbled again? Oh, my God. Wait, the Bucks did what? They let Cooper Cup get wide open behind them in coverage at the – what? It was a lot of those moments. And, like, you could say that's not fair, that I should be saying the same thing about Buffalo's defense, but it, it is fair no. because it wasn't no, so much like, like – I mean, like, Buffalo is trying stuff. They're zoned. They can't stop Mahomes. They go to man. They can't stop Mahomes. He hits Hartman. Like, they right. tried different stuff. Like, if you watch the two games, one felt like – 
I don't want to say a comedy of errors, but it, it was like who wants to give the game away, whereas KC Buffalo it was like who can one-up the other for greatness. And and that's not to say the Chiefs-Rams game, I mean, excuse me, the Bucks-Rams game wasn't entertaining because the fourth, the, the second half of the fourth quarter was very entertaining, but you look at all the other games all weekend, San Francisco-Green Bay and Cincinnati-Tennessee, it felt thrilling from start to finish. So you had... You kind of had three and a half incredible games. You had four amazing finishes. And I, I don't, I don't, I mean, if you were going to rank the games in order, I don't know. Obviously, obviously, Chiefs Bills is one, right? If we're, because we're talking about, and you and I are in agreement here. And, and according to the Twitter poll we put up at ESPN Lafayette, everyone else agrees that best weekend of playoff football ever. So you have number one, Bills Chiefs, right? I have number four Rams Bucks. I think we're in agreement there. What do you stack up at second and third? Like, what was the second oh, best game in third? To me, it's easy. To me, the second best game was uh, was Titans uh, Bengals. You know, uh, number three being 49ers, Packers. It was good, but when you think about the fact that, like, you know, the Packers scored a touchdown on their opening drive, and then they scored three points the rest of the 54 minutes. You know what I mean? Of a 60-minute game. And the Niners didn't and, score an offensive touchdown the whole game. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And, and then, like, you're talking about the Niners had three points up until blocking a punt with, what, six, five minutes left to go in the game, and that tied the game at 10. Like, it was entertaining because it's not like there was a lot of things in, in between the lines. Like, both defenses played really well in the game, right? Jimmy G uh, threw some thrilling passes to the sideline that's could have been picked off for pick sixes, but somehow they were caught or incomplete a few times. So it was a couple, ooh, you know, you, uh, you're gasping a little bit. Um, but, you know, it was not as intriguing as the chess match that was going on between um, the Bengals and the Titans. You talk about the Titans coming up with nine sacks. You talk about uh, Joe Burrow, um, you know, even being sacked nine times, throwing for 346 yards. I believe it was, um, and and never looking rattled. Uh, you're talking Derrick Henry returning um, and, and having some success on the ground along with uh, Deonta uh, Foreman uh, with, with his big run. You're talking about uh, some missed opportunities in the red zone, no matter if it's uh, from remembering right because so much happened, turnovers or missed field goals. Um, and then obviously uh, Ryan Tannehill with his three interceptions right out the gate at first and then, um, on that final drive when they let the clock tick down to 20-something seconds. And so, um, no, that, that game that game was really entertaining from start to finish. Even with limited points, there was still a lot of opportunity, along with uh, there's some second-guessing in place, too, when you talk about uh, the Titans kicking an extra point, there being a penalty, them deciding with, uh, the Bengals already having six because they had to kick two field goals. Them deciding to go for two. And, overthinking uh, it, man. I'll kick just, the extra point. Just overthinking and it. Keep overthinking it, man. And and everything in that game then changed from that one decision. It, 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 I don't, you know, I don't know uh, how exactly it's being discussed because Ryan Tannehill played so bad. But to me, Ryan Tannehill played like Ryan Tannehill. Uh, but, um you talk about that one point, and if they are driving down the field on their last drive with a one-point lead versus uh, it being tied, they don't have to try to get in field goal range. They just need a first down, and they need a first down with Derrick Henry. 
I like my chances. I like my chances. Because the Cincinnati Bengals defense is good, but I don't I don't know if anybody's confusing them for being great or elite. Um, I like my chances of getting the first down with, with, with the Titans' run game, even if there were some stops um, that, that happened um, prior to that, with the wearing down within a game. And so that one point should be questioned. And, um, and even decisions like that, though, that makes it the second-best game. And then Packers-Niners with, I mean, the Niners were just such dogs, literally talking underdogs, um, to be able um, to pull it out like that uh, in Green Bay, in which the Niners' offense, it fits the better style with Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel running the ball. Like, they fit that personality a little bit more than the Packers, though they have a good run game. And, uh, of course, the 49ers' defense, which is better than the Packers' defense, uh, too, I would say. Um, but, man, it just, you know, that game was still entertaining from start to finish as well. And um, and as you said, even with the Rams and the Bucks um, being uh, fourth uh, on that list, and they definitely were fourth, uh, man, what a what a game to be the worst. <laughs> Tom Brady uh, leading a comeback uh, and then ultimately – only for the Bucks to give up two wide open passes to the best player on the field for the Rams. I mean, you know, uh, it's a good time, man. It really was. You don't need a lot of time to win a game late, and uh, that was proven this weekend, man. Because um, obviously, last night, you know, thirteen seconds for Mahomes, and I like your point. I mean, why in the hell are are you kicking it into the end zone like that? Special teams errors were on this play. Obviously, Green Bay's special teams was atrocious. Man, uh, and, atrocious. And Buffalo's decision, like, kick it. Like, what are the odds that guy takes it to the house? Like, less than 1%, right? I mean, come on. Like, you you increase your odds by winning by, by or at least, yeah, by just taking more time off the clock. Like, what are you, Absolutely. What are you even thinking there? And I was trying to think of it, Seth. I mean, I, I don't. I'd be lying if I told you I remember the special teams of, of, you know, ins and outs of every single Super Bowl team. But I'm just thinking back to, like, Super Bowl winners here over the last decade or so. And all of them had reliable kickers, good punt. Like, they were really solid on special teams. Like, if it wasn't going to catch up with Green Bay Saturday, it was going to get them at some point. And Buffalo special teams... It's not bad, but you can't have those mistakes in those moments. You had, you know, that cat yesterday, you know, for the Rams, he's kicking the ball out of bounds, you know, several times. You're you're short on a forty seven yard field goal. It didn't it didn't cost you in the end, but it almost did. You know, I, I you've got if if you know the I mean the Niners offense, they didn't score a single point. But uh, they didn't score a single touchdown rather, and yet because of their defense and special teams, they're in the NFC title game against the team they match up with, match up well with against the coach and Sean McVay that Kyle Shanahan has owned. Like they're right there. I mean, I remember you know the Saints having really solid special teams the year they won the Super Bowl, and there was a stretch, especially kind of toward the you know when Darren Sproles left, where the special teams for the Saints outside of Thomas Morstead was horrendous, absolutely awful. It was dreadful, and it was during a lot of those seven and nine campaigns and. You know, they, they started putting a lot more focus on it, right? Uh, you know, they, they, they paid Justin Hardy, and now he's in the Jets, and he's making a good living. You know, they, they signed JT Gray as a UDFA, even though he only was in two preseason games, because 
his coach from college said, this is an elite special teams player. They they put money into it, right, uh, with the punter, with Will Lutz, who they missed last year. My point is, you know, it was about four years ago that they, or five years ago, that they really started to emphasize, you know what, we can't keep sucking on special teams. And when you look at the Saints, and they had four straight division titles, and then this past year they didn't make the playoffs, but, you know, what was what was the awful part of special teams this year? I mean, it was the kicker. It was terrible because they were missing their guy. But you look at the previous four years, one of the better special teams units in the league, you don't really talk about that when you talk about four straight division titles. And, you know, if the Niners had won, you know, 20 to to 10 instead of not scoring an offensive touchdown, maybe they're not talking about the special teams as much. Or conversely, if the Packers special teams wasn't atrocious, maybe you're not really talking about the Niners special teams at all. But they invested on special teams the Packers haven't when your head coach is telling you that at some point it's going to bite you in the ass and openly saying that to the media that's really bad and it's the unit that people can complain all they want man it it determines Super Bowls it determines who gets there determines who wins it and you look at those teams that are left pretty good special teams I mean what about Evan McPherson I mean, mm-hmm. talk about a G. That dude goes over <laughs> to, to Joe Burrow before a game-winning kick and says, "I guess we're going to the AFC Championship game." I mean, I mean, talk about just dropping your nuts on the table. Excuse my French, but no. dude, I mean, no. you like it's it's special teams such a huge part of this weekend, and it's such a huge part of the four teams that have advanced and are you know a win away from the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, a couple of days ago, I guess, whenever Florida hired their special teams coach and it was Game Changers coordinator, uh, there was a little bit of a uproar on Twitter and a couple of people texted me like, man, what in the world? Game Changer? Man, Billy Napier is just playing playing around and, of course, not knowing that, you know, you know from here uh, with UL, uh, that's what it was called. It was called uh, Game Changers with, uh, with special teams. And um, I say that to say it's kind of an appropriate name, to be honest, because it can change games, good or bad, honestly. Um, special teams can change games, good or bad. You know, you, you talk about the Saints this year and not having a, a steady kicker. And they probably win a few more games this season with good kicking, just o- over the course of the entire game, of course. Um they're in the playoffs then, right? With a better kicker. You know, that a kicker is probably the difference in what would you say? Probably two or three wins? Yeah. Here? I mean I ten, Tennessee, I mean Atlanta, you're looking at a couple. Yep. And so um special teams can be uh a game game changing in a positive and in a negative way. And um special teams along with you know, I think they say this for the offensive line sometimes too. Is like if you don't hear somebody's name, that's probably a good thing, right? <laughs> like, like you don't you don't want to know the name of certain coaches or certain players because if you're not really hearing about them, that probably means that they're doing their job, right? Um, and that's one of those things, you know. Like you don't want to, man. When when Matt Lafleur is like, man, I hope. I hope special teams doesn't mess this up for us. It's like that's a strong quote. No kidding, man. Like, you should probably do something about that. Like that that doesn't sound very good or promising for your special teams. And well, um 
And yeah, I mean, you just saw you just saw its benefit throughout, and then you also saw um, the benefit of smart versus unsmart decision making. Like you know, we talked about um, the squib kick. I guess a real easy thing. It probably takes two seconds off the clock because Kansas City falls on it. But that's two less seconds that Mahomes has to get the ball down the field. Or if he, um, I mean, if he squibs it past the twenty, maybe maybe the guy tries to run. You know what I'm saying? Like you never know. Just keep you it in, know. even if it's not a squid. Just don't kick it in the end zone. You know, like kick it in the end zone. make them you do. pick it up. Make it's them pick it up, and and whether it's to fall on it or whether it's to run with it, don't don't just give the them the ball. They kick a field goal and it goes to overtime. Like literally the same exact result that happened is the worst thing that could happen. In that situation. With a squib, um, right, right, rather than a return. Yeah, to your point, yeah, right. Yeah. Like, and so um, you look at that, and then you look at, um, you know, when we're talking about smart decision-making versus uh, not smart decision-making, and Norm should probably close his ears. But, uh, man, when you talk about with 13, 14 seconds, the Chiefs, they had timeouts, and I don't remember if the, if the Cowboys had timeouts or not. The Cowboys didn't have a timeout, but in but, 14 seconds, they had the ball on the right side of the 50, and with 13 seconds backed up, the Chiefs, you know, sent a game to overtime that they won. I mean, it, you know, right. I mean, when right. it comes to clock and, and they didn't have a timeout, obviously, because they had to get up and spike the ball. So, yeah, they didn't have a timeout. But even the thought process of uh, throw, it's just, like I said, and sometimes people – Sometimes people overthink plays. Sometimes people get a little too cute. The Chiefs got too cute at one point um, last night, and it could have cost them. When you have your MVP quarterback, and, you know, they they go to a lot of different gadget things in the red zone, but on, I think it was fourth and one, um, or third, maybe it was third and one, the option play with uh, Travis Kelsey to Jarek McKinnon, that's probably not the play I'm, I'm dialing up for that crucial of a first down. And then there were times in that game, it was at least one play in the game. It's easy to play Monday morning quarterback. I, I know it is. Um, but there was there was one play in the game where the Bills had a fourth and one and they decided to punt it instead of uh, going for it. And I believe they were around midfield. Uh, I apologize if that's not the case. Um, and it's like against that team, Against those Chiefs, like those are maybe the opportunities that you kind of got to go for um, to knock out a team that that's just that doggone dangerous. Tell you what, so, man, um, it, it, yeah, it, man, it was ESPN Lafayette best ticket in sports. Scott Prather, we're visiting with Seth Lewis from KTC TV three. We'll have open phone lines for you guys in the next segment. Was it? The best weekend of football ever from an NFL standpoint. Uh, the answer is yes. Dude, what about Gabriel Davis? I mean, wow. because they lost, it's, you know, he'll just be an answer to a trivia question later. But if they win, it's, it's one that goes down for the ages. Like, I remember the, when Willie Jackson scored three touchdowns in a game for the Saints. First playoff win ever, right? I remember it for a number of reasons. One, I followed the Saints. Two, it was the first win ever. And three, it was like, this is a backup that's doing this stuff, right? He's not like the go-to right. guy. Horn got, gets hurt first play of the game. But it, it had tied an NFL record. So everybody was saying, oh, NFL record, most touchdowns received in a game. Now, it tied it. You know, other guys have done it. Jerry Rice had done it before. And, but suddenly, Willie Jackson was like in this elite company, right? Still tied for right. the record until last night. Gabriel Davis set a 
NFL postseason record. Four receiving touchdowns in a single game. Dude had eight catches for 201 yards and four touchdowns. All four Josh Allen's touchdowns. I mean, Josh Allen, my God. 27 to 37 for 329, four tutties, no picks in a loss. But, like, that dude, Gabriel Davis is, like, you know, again, kind of a trivia question. You really, I mean, Bills fans will remember, but, like, we probably won't remember a few years from now. If the Bills win that game and then go on to do even bigger things, maybe win the Super Bowl, you know, it's it's one of those ones you remember. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, Tyree Kill, 11 catches, a buck 50. Travis Kelsey, I mean, is he the best tight end ever? Honestly. I mean, it, it's not just it's not just the numbers, Seth. It's the moments. Like, when he makes his plays, tell you what, man, being clutch, that dude is probably the most clutch tight end I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, you know, Gronk, it's, it's, it's between those two. To me, I mean, and obviously, like, there were a lot of good tight ends of the past, like Tony Gonzalez and um, Shannon Sharp and whatnot, but... Um, Mike Ditka. I mean, the, this evolution, Mike Ditka, the evolution of the tight end is unbelievable. And and Travis Kelsey is the greatest example of the evolution uh, of the tight end, maybe even more than, than Gronk, because Kelsey's got a little bit more wiggle um, than probably Gronk ever had. Though Gronk is... Uh, probably bigger and maybe a little bit stronger um, than Kelsey. Um, but, I mean, man, phenomenal, phenomenal individual performances. And in some cases, like you said, uh, where maybe the local fan base will, will remember it. I feel like Gabriel Davis, it was just so unbelievable, and he was a part of this game, right, that I don't think people will forget for a long time, that I think – even if it's in short-term memory, right? Like, I don't know about, you know, 20 years from now. But in short-term memory, like, people are going to remember what Gabriel Davis did. Yeah, I guess so. In short-term, right. It's just when it's a player. Like, if it was Stephon Diggs, I think we would would always remember it, even in a loss, because he's, like, a great receiver, right? I mean, he's been an all-pro. He's been a pro. It's whenever it's the guy that, like, isn't really well known outside of a fan base. You know, maybe he's on someone's fantasy football team, but he's, like, the last guy on the bench every week. It's... It's those performances in the big moments in a win, man. But you're right. I mean, in the short term, I mean, how can you forget that game? Here's uh, here's some sound from Andy Reid last night. He also, you know, best weekend of football, um, of, of playoff football ever. Maybe the best quote ever. And Andy Reid's got a lot of good ones. But this one about uh, when things look grim and what he told what he told Patrick Mahomes, you got to hear this. You still have time to get the field goal, but it looks pretty grim there. What, do you have any special advice to Pat right there? Do you have any words for him at that point when Buffalo took the lead? For- yeah, when it's grim, be the grim reaper. Just when it's grim, be the grim. I mean, Andy Reid, you know, I wow. look, I was, I was rooting for the Bills just because some new blood out of the AFC, you know, that fan base, they're great. The Chiefs won one recently. But I mean, how can you not love Andy Reid? I love, I love the quote like right off the cuff. I love the, I love that he he compares things like to food all the time, right? Like, you know, I mean, are you guys hungry enough? I mean, you've won a Super Bowl, you've been in another one. He's like, yeah, man. I mean, you know, whenever you have like a delicious piece of chocolate cake, like, don't you want another piece? Like, are you kidding me? Why would you be like, oh, one's enough? Like, he's always he's always tying everything into it, but um. But man, you, you talk about you know the last couple of years with Mahomes. Reed just made himself undoubtedly a future Hall of Famer, and I mean the guy just I you know Eric Bieniemy is the play caller. They're 
they're going to be tough to beat next week. And, Man. you know, in the NFC, I know there's a lot of support locally for Elijah Mitchell. I also know for Saints fans, it was kind of like as soon as the playoffs started, it was like go AFC, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. But but the Chiefs getting like getting past Buffalo last night, I mean, they, they have to, of these four teams left, like they have to be the favorite, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and of course, there's going to be a lot of support for uh, Elijah Mitchell when you talk about the 49ers. There's also going to be a lot of local support for Joe Burrow uh, and the Bengals. And not only Joe Burrow and not only Jamar Chase, but also Tyler Shelvin, um, who has been, who got drafted by the Bengals last year and was in on that big stop on fourth down of Derrick Henry um, in the fourth quarter. And so, uh, but the Chiefs are the favorites. The Chiefs are the favorites because they've been there, and they have the guy. They have that, they have that dude, uh, Patrick Mahomes. He's a bad man. Uh, he's a magician. Um, you know, any superlative that you want to give him, uh, it probably fits for Patrick Mahomes. But the cool part is, yes, there's this guy, but there's a dude on the other side of him that's not scared. He's not scared. Joe Burrow's not scared. That's That's like the... He's like the coolest, uh, just as far as uh, his composure in big moments. I mean, you know, obviously I got to watch and see up close um, Joe a lot in that 2019 season with LSU, and I just think it was as great as he played that year, winning the Heisman, doing all those things. When he got in the playoffs, it was a whole different level. Like, and he was already playing. He was playing at a 10 in the regular, he didn't have a bad game, Scott, in the regular season in 2019. Not one bad game. There was games that, you know, maybe he didn't throw for 300 yards, but you look up and he'd have 250 and five touchdowns from it. Like he didn't have a, a bad game in the regular season, and he turned it up to a different level in the playoffs against two of the top four teams in the nation, supposedly, right? And so, um, and he gets in the playoffs this year, first time ever in the playoffs, and all of a sudden he's there. And not to mention, when they clinched the division, they beat the, they beat the Chiefs, which you know to me would be a little scary uh, if I was a Bengals fan because I'm like, man, the Chiefs surely remember how much the Bengals were celebrating after that win. Um, I'm sure that they would love nothing more than to send them uh, right back to the couch in Ohio. But um, the Chiefs are the favorite. The Chiefs are definitely the favorite. But man, I, you know, and it's funny. It's different. There's some different main characters that will be involved. But, man, if we got a Chiefs-Rams uh, Super Bowl, which the year, was that? I guess that was 2018, when the Chiefs and the Rams played in the regular season, I was thinking about that game a little bit, yeah. too. Just how incredible of a game that was. Now, again, you know, one of the main characters in that game was Jared Goff. There is an upgrade, supposedly, in Matthew Stafford. I mean, I would call him an upgrade, but, you know, there's a there's an upgrade there at quarterback. There's some different key pieces there as far as offensive weapons. Um, you know, when you talk about Odell being in the in the fold now, um, and like you know somebody like a Todd Gurley um, not being in the fold anymore. But um, yeah, it's the Chiefs. It's the Chiefs. But I could see every team winning it. Like I could I could convince myself of every team winning it. I would say that like if we were doing a rank similar like we did before the team that would be hardest to convince myself is the 49ers and that's Jimmy G. You know, it's, it, it doesn't have, it doesn't have to do with anything else, but Jimmy G. I think Jimmy G of the four quarterbacks left 
is the fourth. You know, you, know, you say the worst, but I think he's the fourth of the four, four quarterbacks left, and I don't think it's particularly close that he's the fourth best quarterback of the four, four QBs left. And he made big throws in Green Bay, but he's going to have to make some more big throws against some big throwers um, if they are going to win. Because Elijah, uh, I think he's going to do his job, right? I mean, he still hasn't lost a fumble um, as a rookie running back. I think he was one of two guys in that top seven or eight uh, rushing this year that had that amount of yardage and then hadn't lost a fumble. And then Debo Samuel, I mean – that dude is just unbelievable. I mean, he really is. I mean, a wide receiver playing running back, I mean, you need tough yards, and they go into number 19. They go into the wide receiver to pick up three yards, and he's picking it up and kind of running guys over in the process. I mean, man, but uh, I could see any team winning it. Um, but I I think rank-wise it would have to go Chiefs, then probably Rams, and really only I would say Rams second because the Bengals would have to go through the Chiefs um, in order to get there. But if the Bengals go through the Chiefs, I think they have a great chance against the Rams or the 49ers. So, um, man, I can't I can't wait to see it unfold, honestly. ESPN Lafayette. Seth Lewis, our guest. I, uh, I, I, I'd love to say, good, you know, go ahead and top what you just did, NFL, but... Looking forward to next no. week in Seth, but the best, yeah. let's be real, man, the best is behind us. I mean, that was, it's not going to get better than that this year uh, with that. Only three games left, but I'm I'm still going to ride the high off of that weekend of football. We'll, uh, we'll have open phone lines here in just a couple minutes. Seth Lewis has been our guest from KATC TV3. What a weekend of football. All right, so with that, Seth, before I let you run real quick, did want to uh, ask you about Cajun Hoops before you go. The uh, the Cajuns, you know, this team this year, and and I'll have Coach Marlin on the show tomorrow, but it's interesting. They haven't won a game and lost a game like back-to-back all year. Everything's been streaks. Three-game win streak, three-game lose streak. Two-game win streak, two-game lose streak. Three-game win streak, three-game lose streak. They won on Saturday against Troy, who was at the moment when they beat them atop the Sunbelt Conference standings. And, you, you know, you see the team on the bench supporting the guys. You see camaraderie. Two days prior to that, you know, you go 851 without hitting a field goal. You just, you can't hit a shot. And then the second half, the defense kind of starts to fall. And they bounce back with a big win against Troy. And now they're at home the rest of this week. And they're taking on the two teams at the bottom of the Sun Belt in terms of the standings. Teams that are, you know, have losing records that are struggling right now. And then you go to Little Rock after that and they have a losing record. Like, I, I would love to say, oh, they should win all these four. I have no idea, right? I, I do think no I, I, I do think this before I, I get your thoughts on UL hoops and then we'll let you run. Uh, women didn't play Saturday because the game was canceled to COVID. We will talk to Coach Broadhead tomorrow. I, I, I told this to Eric Mutaw on Friday. This team will go as far as their guards take them. You know, I, I have questions about the guard play at times. Um, kind of up and down. I love Kinshaw Garnett. I think AU is a great point guard, but he's... You know, he's still trying to kind of get his conditioning back. But I think this team this year goes as far as their guards take him. Not to not to say that, you know, Akuba and Jordan Brown and those two. I mean, no, I, I think you kind of know what you're getting out of those guys, right? There's a there's a consistency there. Um, what are your thoughts on the Cajuns currently at nine and eight overall, four and three in conference play? And are they going to go on another one of these streaks at the moment of win streak? Where are you at with this team? 
Well, it's it's been a little little up and down um, to what you said. I think some of that is some of that is guys being in and out of the lineup. You know, a lot of that is with COVID. Though you know, the, the first two games of conference, you know, they were without four key guys and still were able to come out with two big wins on the road. But um, but I think that uh, health. Um, is one thing. I think that conditioning is another thing, but not like as in they weren't conditioned before, but as you said, getting back in condition after coming coming back from COVID, I think that is something that can be a little bit underrated uh, as far as that being a challenge for athletes. Um, I think we just look at it as, oh, it's a, a sprained pinky toe, and, and they'll just be able to shake it, shake it off, but COVID is not a sprained pinky toe, um, especially if you have effects from it. Um, it can take time for you to get your endurance um, fully back. And then um, I think some of it, with all of that being uh, factored in, too, is just, like, inconsistency in, like, rhythm, you know, as far as, like, uh, rotationally, let's say. And, again, I'm not blaming anybody for that. I'm just saying uh, COVID – COVID-wise and injuries-wise, uh, it hasn't allowed them to, to get that. But um, but I think you brought up a good point that this team will probably go as far as their guards would take them because you like who they have in the post. Uh, Jordan Brown was out, you know, on Saturday, but um, you're still talking about Theo and Duguay, um, who was your starting front court last year and who was solid. And, uh, I mean, Jordan Brown is – uh, has to be one of the favorites for for, uh, for conference player of the year, um, and when you talk about the guards, they have a lot. I mean, this team is deep. That's the other thing. Like this team is really deep, and um, I think the floor for them is rather high. It's it's more so of where their ceiling is because you know you miss if you are missing somebody like Greg. Uh, Williams or Jalen or I mean you talk Trajan, um, you talk um, so many of these Kentrell, like there's still somebody like a Michael Thomas uh, who obviously got significant time on uh, Thursday and I, I believe someone on Saturday as well, um, but like somebody like Michael Thomas can step in and he's somebody that you would trust. Um, you know Ty Harper is someone that can step in and he's somebody that you would you would trust that you're not necessarily hesitating to throw them in uh, into action. Uh, but you got to have somebody that can, in close games, uh, and that's usually a guard. You can't usually depend on a big set. You got to have somebody in close games that can go get you a bucket, that can go get you a bucket. And on Saturday it was Greg. Greg had some great shots. Um, Greg had a, a, a excellent step-back 20-footer, um, let's say, down the stretch. And because Cedric was that guy. Cedric won the Cajun several games down the stretch last year just because he was that dude. You knew the shot was going to him. You knew he was going to be able to create his own shot. They were going to win or lose based on his ability to carry them in that four-minute, three-minute stretch, not only in making shots but also being a playmaker as well. And in the Sun Belt, where I think you would agree, it seems very even. It doesn't seem like there is this dominant team at the front. Like you said, Troy was at the top, um, and UL knocked them off. UL was 3-0, and then they, then they lost three straight. Um, you know, and I think South Alabama is now at the top, who, uh, who they lost to. Uh, UL just lost to 
on Thursday. Um, there is no dominant one, but um, whoever has the better guard play, and if UL can develop that guy, no matter if it's Greg or if it's Trajan or Kentrell or someone else, but uh, somebody that you can go to down the stretch for buckets when it's 65-65, 72-72, someone that you can depend on to drive and to, to play make, um, if they if they get that guy clearly, I think they'll be in a much better position, uh, not only to potentially win the, the Sun Belt regular season title, which obviously is something that they uh, you know still have their eyes on, but more importantly, going into the tournament feeling that strong. That's where the guard play, we all know guard play really wins it in March. And that is where if they are able to develop that by the time they get there, um, they could be a really dangerous tournament. I mean, a really dangerous team in the SBC tournament. Seth Lewis has been our guest. The ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports, uh, at Seth Lewis Inc. on Twitter. He's got the blue check mark. Sports director from KTC <laughs> TV three. Um, last question, Seth. Uh, you kind of alluded to it earlier. Final, getting back to football because that's where most of the shows go on this morning. Uh, who are your Super Bowl picks now? The final teams left. Who you got meeting in L.A. in uh, shoot, a little less I than think, uh, three weeks? Yeah, I think as much of, uh, of a great story as it would be for the Bengals to to make it to the Super Bowl after not winning a playoff game in 31 years, uh, I think Kansas City gets it done. I, I honestly think the difference is probably uh, home field advantage, though. Don't tell that to any of the teams that played this past weekend. Um, but I think that uh, other than the Chiefs, but I, I think that the Chiefs uh, ultimately make it to L.A. And then I, I think that the Rams are playing in a um, in a home in a home Super Bowl, which is interesting because they don't really have a fan base anyway. But um, it, it could get real interesting that that game is uh, is in L.A. and that they don't have to, to travel um, to play that game. And so um, I know what the 49ers have done to them in the past. I know that the Rams have lost. I think the last six games to the 49ers and it's been in a bunch of different fashions. Obviously uh, Saints fans got to, to watch up close and personal. The Rams choke a 17, nothing. I believe it was lead away yeah. uh, against the 49ers. Rams know how to choke leads away. Uh, and then no choke doubt. away a touchdown in the last two minutes, um, allowing Jimmy G to go down the field and score a touchdown on them. Pretty embarrassing. Um, but uh, I think that, in this scenario, uh, the Rams step up to the plate, and um, the Rams uh, stop getting stop the bullying from the 49ers and uh, and get it done. But um, however however it shakes out, uh, I'm just thankful. <laughs> I'm just thankful that. Uh, that it's going to be relative fresh blood in the um, in the championship. Kansas City isn't fresh, but it's fresher than Tom Brady. So, uh, I, I, yes, yeah, see, I think we're going to have a well. I, I'll I'll make my picks in uh, in the next segment and open up the fall lines for the listeners. You going but, completely opposite? Yeah, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, not not quite. No, not quite. But all right. We'll, we'll get to it. Seth, man, I, I, appreciate, I appreciate the time. I know you haven't slept yet since last night because of the uh, the dopamine that the playoffs gave you. Guys, follow him on Twitter at Seth Lewis, Inc., Seth Lewis, I-N-C on Twitter. Check out everything they do over at KTC 
TV3, amazing stuff as always. You and the crew there. Appreciate the time, my friend. It's always great talking ball with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Scott. You got it. Stay tuned. The Great Scott Show continues after this. Who I think wins the championship game matchups. And, yeah, I don't think the overtime rules change. And I'll tell you why next. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. What up, guys? I'm here to tell you about the DraftKings Sportsbook that's coming to Louisiana. I'm not talking about the fantasy aspect of DraftKings, which is awesome. I'm talking about the actual sportsbook because it won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home. And to celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving customers $100 in free bets when you sign up before they go live. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook giving $100 in free bets just for signing up today. No deposit required. It's bringing their experience as a leader in daily fantasy sports to the sports betting world and have created one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, DraftKings Sportsbook. In the meantime, while they're preparing to launch the DraftKings Sportsbook in Louisiana, you can play right now for huge cash prizes with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code 1420 when you sign up. Because when you do, $100 in free bets to use on mobile sports betting in Louisiana as soon as it hits. That's code 1420 to get $100 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call one 877 stop Must be 21 or older. Louisiana only. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Welcome into the Great Scott Show, hour number two. Coming off the greatest weekend of playoff football in the history of the NFL. We've uh, talked a lot about that. Little college hoops, a lot of that. Phone lines are now open for you at 337-269-1077. And the overtime debate rages on, which on one hand, I'm like, it's... It's almost taken away from how great that game was. And on the other, I'm like, well, that's why the debate is there, because the game was so great. Here's the thing. You're either one of two camps. I got an email from uh, from Troy, from Carl, from Derek, all essentially saying the same thing. The overtime rules got to go. I got an email from Jake and from Jay that said, why change the overtime rules? Play defense, like 13 seconds. Come on. It's both things are kind of true here, right? Both things are kind of true. On one hand, you you really you would have loved to have seen Mahomes and Josh Allen both get a shot, right? And then on the other, it's like, come on, thirteen seconds, Buffalo, like squib the kick off or kick it off, run clock. Like, don't play a Madden defense that a seven-year-old could wreck through on pro mode, right? 
the overtime rules are dumb at times and, and it's about expediency. And at the same time, play defense. Here's why I don't think the, like, I lean toward, I don't know that the NFL is going to change the rule. They changed, the last time they changed it was because of the Saints NFC Championship game over Brett Favre and Rich Eisen and everyone crying. Literally, he was crying when Brett Favre didn't get a chance at overtime. And it's like, he probably should have thrown the pick before overtime. But they changed the rule and then it was, okay, well, the first team, if they get a touchdown, the game ends instead of a field goal. And then you had some years where, you know, there was some good overtime games and there were some ties and players were like, what? Like Donovan, you know, they're like, wait, wait, the game can get tied? And then the NFL claimed because of risk of injury, they were going to shorten the overtime from 15 minutes to 10 minutes, which is stupid, which is stupid. And 8% of the games since then that have gone to overtime have ended in ties. Ties are not great for the NFL. It's one thing to have a week 18 like you had this year where it was, oh, my God, it might end in the tie, and then Pittsburgh won't get in. And then both of these, it was, it was very rare what unfolded and how the idea of a tie was exciting in both the games in week 18 between both the Rams, Niners, and then the Chargers, Raiders, even though neither ended at a tie. But let me tell you something. You change the overtime rule where the other team gets a possession if the first team scores, even if it's a touchdown. With only 10 minutes in an overtime, you are going to get more ties in the regular season. Last night was a playoff game, one of the great playoff games we've ever seen. Josh Allen played basically a flawless game and still lost. He didn't get a chance to touch it, and that sucked. I get it, and I I don't disagree with you. You know, like Greg Olson tweeted last night, if it's not in the best interest of everyone for both Mahomes and Allen to get the ball, I don't know what to tell you. The coin flip too much. I get it. But I also get everyone that says, play some defense. <laughs> Good luck playing defense against Mahomes. But does the NFL really want more time? Because I'm telling you, as of 2021, since they shortened the overtime to 10 minutes for what they claim is risk of injury, which is which is ridiculous. 8% of the games or 7.5% of the games of those games ended in ties. You you change the overtime rule. That's jumping up to, to well over 10%, maybe even more. Then you're looking at a year where you might have multiple ties in a season. I don't think the NFL wants that. What they don't want is what unfolded last night. But what unfolded last night is extremely, extremely rare. What a game. All right, let's head to the phone lines. 269-1077-337-269-1077. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hello. Uh, the only reason we want we want the rules to change because we want to be entertained. We only care about being entertained. We don't care about anything else. That's why they want to change it. Uh, come on. No. Keep it like it is. Uh, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, this whole talk, oh, a coin flip decides. Uh, uh, no, that's... <laughs> What? What do you want to tell them? Uh, pick a number from one to twenty. Like, like, what? What do you want? Like, no, just keep it the way it is. Now they might change it to say, you know, we're going to change it for the postseason, but not the regular season, to prevent what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, which yeah, you know what? Like you know what? If they did that, fine, fine, it's okay. I won't. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even complain. Um, but I don't. I just. 
we're 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 caught in the moment right now. But the last time a lot of people yeah, were caught definitely. in a moment, they made the change. So I I lean toward the idea of they don't want more ties. They don't want they also don't want what happened last night. But what happened last night is fresh in everyone's mind. And it you know when you're it's like you just watch like a, a an incredible TV series or an incredible movie and it ends. You're like I want more. I want it to keep going. And then you go and then you listen to podcasts about it, you read articles about it, and you're just you're trying to get back that feeling you got as you were watching it. And there's nothing you can do to get that feeling back. And you're like, man, if they'd only done this, I could I could have had maybe longer. It's almost like a drug, right? How do you how do you make the hit last longer? And that's that's where every I mean everyone's just kind of jonesing today. And last night. And I again, I don't even blame them, but like take take a week or two and then and then reconsider you know, should they change the rule or not? Because if you're doing it today, you're really, really caught up in the emotions of it all. Um, and, and like like you said, man, and like I said, uh, I sent the uh, email, play some defense. You know, that was some things, you know, the Bills done down the stretch that was kind of questionable. So, you know, you have to address that first. Um, I, and at the same time, I do understand, you know, especially when you have a quarterback like Josh Allen, you know, um, but hey, it happens. Uh, hey, man, Tannehill. I think it's time for him to get called out. Uh, that play, man, we threw that interception. He had a man underneath. I mean, he's not. He's he's an he's an average quarterback. That's what he is. <laughs> he's an average quarterback. That, as I said last week, when you have when he is forced to win you the game more times than not, he won't. When he's, you know, managing the game, sure, good luck. He'll put up decent numbers. But when he's forced, you know, when when when, ten, when Cincinnati went up 10 and they were able to come back, I had people messaging me like, oh, what do you have to say now? I'm like, like relax. Like, come on. There's been turnovers. <laughs> there was intercept. It's not like, like, it's the same thing with Jimmy G. With respect, good for him. They're winning. They've, they've won three must-win games in a row. He's thrown one touchdown and four picks in those games. Like, they didn't have an offensive touchdown Saturday night. Good for him for not losing the game, even though he threw a pick in the red zone. But let's let's not act like he is this he is this big part of why San Francisco is in the position they're in. I mean, he's not. Come on, of all the quarterback play this past weekend, Rodgers was bad, uh, Tannehill was really bad, and you know Jimmy G isn't, isn't too far. I mean, he's right. He's played kind of like they did. He just happened to have better defense and special teams. Uh, man, think about this, man. And I don't. <laughs> this is crazy, man. The Bengals in the championship game, the Forty ers Think about that. That whole situation. I do not want to see that Super Bowl. I don't want to see that. But um, going back to man, the eighties, I wish it was the Bills. Bing, just some fresh blood in the AFC would have been nice. But I got nothing against the Chiefs. You know, they'll, they'll, they're they're the they're the uh, betting favorite now, and I understand why. This is crazy, man. Uh, the possibilities that uh, you remember that game from 2017 season between the Chiefs and Rams. Uh, like was it 2017 or 2018? The one that was like, yeah, Seth Lewis oh, brought it up. It was supposed to be in Mexico City. Then they 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 had issues there, yeah. and they had to move it back to L.A. And it was at the Coliseum, and it was you know, yeah, okay, I'm sorry, Scott, 50, you're right, um, fifty something of yeah, it was it was nuts. That's crazy, man. That 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 always. Uh, I, I think about that game from time to time, and like, man, I'm sure the NFL would love to see that, you know, in the Super Bowl. And who knows what what could take place uh, this weekend? Because um, I think the Bengals could beat the Chiefs. I know they beat them in the regular season, 
But, I, and uh, I definitely think the Niners, fun. despite you know the quarterback, could beat the Rams. I mean, Shanahan's done it. Oh, Niners not beating the Rams, man. Yeah. I think the Rams going to win. Uh, the Rams going to win easily. Well, uh, let me take that back. They're going to oh, win. Man. Uh, I think um, they're going to shut down uh, Samuels and just make uh, Jimmy G beat them. And then they bring it. They bring in them uh, front four. But man, Ramsey, what what were you doing? Yeah, what the the, the Rams. Man? The Rams. God, I can't believe. The fact that they blew it and then the Bucks just blew it bigger. It was, uh, yeah, that was wild, man. But everyone kind of quickly forgot about. I said not say forgot about it, but it was no longer at the forefront of their attention once the Bills and Chiefs started that masterpiece. It's crazy, man. Watching the game yesterday, right? This man came up to me, he was like, "Man, you you for the Rams?" I was like, "Yeah, I don't want the Bucks to win." You know, this guy's a Saints fan. It's kind of you know that whole. There was a lot. That, my timeline was full of Saints fans that were like debating who they you know shouldn't root for. It's like just root for the AFC, sit back and watch the playoffs. You know, whatever. Root root for individual players. There are a lot of Louisiana natives with ties. Um, uh, or, or kids with ties to Louisiana that are playing in the playoffs. Do something. Figure out something else other than just, well, Saints. And Of course, I say that, but I'm a hypocrite because I do the same thing. It's got one more point. I know you have a lot of callers. You, you know it's cheap, man. You know it's cheap, and I, and I hate this trash, man. All, all this stuff on social media attacking Aaron Rodgers because this man is against the vaccines. And all, and y'all, y'all, so, some people are so... I can't say the word I want to say, man, but golly, like, really? Like, like, <laughs> I, I like Aaron Rodgers, man. I, I, like, I like Aaron Rodgers. I don't care what anyone says, but um, some of the stuff, man, that, that they coming at him with is just stupid, you know? That's all I have to say about that. But, yeah, what, what's your take on that, man? You think this this is the uh, last game? Probably. When, when, he, threw, game when he threw that incompletion, that deep pass, I said he might have just thrown his last pass as a Packer. Um, and then they didn't get the ball back. He set up all last offseason for a, 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 basically a potential window to get out. And the fact that they were one and done, lost the way they did, um, he is – look, everyone's bashing him right now, and I won't lie to you, there were some memes that made me laugh a lot. Um, but everyone's bashing him right now, and there are about 28 franchises that would open up their arms if he tried to get to them. You know what I mean? Like, they'll bash him, but if he comes to their team, they're all going to be like, go Aaron. And uh, and if he does leave, it's it's gonna it's going to change. Um, it's it's going to be a game changer. It really will be in terms of, like, a power now, shift I, I saw in, a in franchises. Come on, you, you can tell, you know, he has lung damage. You can tell at the end of the game, you know. Like, no, I mean, I, I'm not. I don't want to go there. I, I just some of the some of the memes were funny. That's all I'll say. I mean, you know, if, oh, no, that's not the, <laughs> there, there's a difference between like over the top takes and like let's let's make fun of the guy with some funny memes. And um, you know, the latter is one thing I, I, I enjoy about social media. I mean, people get pretty creative with the jokes, and I, I guess there's like a line between like joking and like okay, you're this is like this is like something really personal, you know, and like. You know what I mean? I don't know. I yeah yeah. I, I laugh. I was uh, I was I was laughing at some stuff. I mean, it was there was some funny stuff. Yeah. All right, man. You have a good one, and thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Let's head back to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hey Scott. Good morning. Hey Coach. Hey Scott. I want to make a comment myself in reference to 
Uh, I guess I'm going to speak from a player's perspective because myself, along with a lot of others, we've played this game and we've been inside the trenches and on the gridiron, mm. in the cold, oh, in yeah. the mud, in the rain, on artificial turf. And we've listened to our own fans roar when we had the advantage and we were winning in the big games, whether they were high school playoff games, college games, and those who were lucky to get to the pros, they've experienced it. I'm going to say this. To the fans that were in the bleachers of that Buffalo KC game, to Buffalo's fans, you guys deserve your team to touch that ball. To all the other fans who, who didn't have a team in that game yesterday, that's all of us who are watching. I'm a Cowboys fan. We are all the extra folks that are watching. To us, most of us, some of us would say they should have gave them Buffalo the ball. Others would say, no, game over. Well, we are like <laughs> the outsiders. Those two groups of fans, Kansas City fans would want it over right there, too. Yeah. But Buffalo fans, they don't. And I'm one to want to say I would want both teams from now on to touch the ball. And this is not just because it's fresh from happening yesterday. No, because if you played the game and you put your time in and you worked hard and you did all you can do for years and you get to this moment, as a player, all Buffalo players today, even though they know that that was the rule yesterday, I'll bet they're saying, God damn it, we should have touched the ball. So the bottom line is, and another thing I want to say also is this, the quarterbacks that we watched this past weekend, my opinion, from a player coach's perspective, you know, guys, we all want them to do well, and we all critique them when they don't. But the one thing that we seem to forget is this is the highest level of football in the world, in the country, that we play, and the quarterbacks are going up against some of the most elite athletes at every position on the defensive side of the ball, along with the referees, along with the temperatures, along with the weather, and, and of course, the fans and all mm. that roaring going on. Yeah, Coach. Guys, we may think, I'm going to wrap it up, we may think it's easy. It is not. Garoppolo and them all are not as bad as some of us think. It's the pressure of the moment and those elite athletes they're going up against. That's my comment. Thank you. Newsreader from Greek. Newsreader from Rome, the HBO series. Coach Mitch has spoken 25 after the hour of eight o'clock man um emails Jacques says how could you watch that game last night and not want more of it scott i enjoyed your reference about last night's game being like a drug and everybody wanting some more although i'm drug free it somehow hit home haha enjoying the show hey why everybody's saying, come on. Gotta let I mean, the Chiefs a couple of what three years ago, overtime, 
They lose the toss. Patriots get it. They go down the field. They win. And Mahomes wasn't what he is now, but he was up and he was kind of like what Josh Allen is right now in some ways. There wasn't the giant outcry. There was, you know, honestly, more of the focus was on the official and a rough in the passer call against Brady in that game. But I think there was a lot of fans and a lot of America that was rooting for the Bills and looking at their fan base and wanting more of what they saw last night. And, like, if the Bills had won the toss and got went straight down the field, would there have been the same amount of outcry? Is there more? Because it was back-to-back, right? Was there more because there was a walk-off field goal at the end of, well, not walk-off. There was a field goal at the end of regulation by the Chiefs, and then they got it right back, right? Is that outcry the same if Josh Allen calls heads, wins the toss, and they go down and get a touchdown? I don't know. It was kind of the perfect storm of why the you know you have what you have. Josh Allen, by the way, nine and zero on coin flip calls throughout the regular season, zero for two in that game yesterday. Heads or tails? Thirteen seconds, though, man. Thirteen seconds. In one game, you felt like you were watching the present and the future with Mahomes and Allen. In some other games, you were asking, is this it? Is this it for Brady? He's going to take it day by day, he says. Is that it for Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay? It's quite possible. It's quite possible. Oh, Brady's going to play forever. He He would be 45 next season. That's just nuts. That is just wild. You know, I and now Bengals. Bengals. How does the four times in NFL postseason history prior to Saturday had a quarterback been sacked nine times in a playoff game? And guess what? Those teams were 0 for 4. On Saturday, Joe Burrow sacked nine times. They got the win. One tough some bitch. Twenty eight after the hour. When we come back, NFL rules. How they're already different in the regular season and postseason, and why that might come into play if they make any kind of rule change. Plus, open phone open phone lines. I see the lines lit up. We'll get to your phone calls coming off of the great. Weekend of NFL football. This is the great Scott show on ESPN Lafayette. Best ticket in sports. Body moving, body moving, body moving. We be body moving, body moving. What up, guys? I'm here to tell you about the DraftKings Sportsbook that's coming to Louisiana. I'm not talking about the fantasy aspect of DraftKings, which is awesome. I'm talking about the actual sports book because it won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home and to celebrate 
DraftKings Sportsbook is giving customers $100 in free bets when you sign up before they go live. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook giving $100 in free bets just for signing up today. No deposit required. It's bringing their experience as a leader in daily fantasy sports to the sports betting world and have created one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, DraftKings Sportsbook. In the meantime, while they're preparing to launch the DraftKings Sportsbook in Louisiana, you can play right now for huge cash prizes with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code 1420 when you sign up. Because when you do, $100 in free bets to use on mobile sports betting in Louisiana as soon as it hits. That's code 1420 to get $100 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. Must be 21 or older. Louisiana only. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. 103.3 on the FM, 14.20 on the AM, streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. For those of you listening on the stream, it is brought to you by Champagne's Market and the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. We're going to get back to the phone lines here in a second. I'm going to read you a quote, and I want you to guess who said it. All right? We're talking about one of the better players in the NFL. Quote, I'm definitely in favor of both sides getting the ball in overtime. Being in that situation, really having no control, no rebuttal, or no retaliation on playing against an amazing offense like that, it kind of sucked. Who said it? Anybody? Travis Kelsey. In the AFC Championship game three years ago, when the Chiefs lost to the Patriots in overtime. Now, yesterday, he had the game winner. That guy's awesome. And they walked off in one of the more memorable games of all time. He might still feel the same way, but it benefited him yesterday. The NFL didn't change the rule then. They didn't change the rule in 2016 when Arizona beat the the Packers in overtime, and Aaron Rodgers never touched the ball in OT. Neither of those games were the classic it was last night. Now, on one hand, it's, come on, play defense. Play defense. On the other, we have to face the reality that the, the NFL rulebook has shifted drastically over the last 15 years to favor the offense, whether it be targeting, protecting the QB, uh, the spot fouls for PI, which have always been around. But when you're on defense, it's already an uphill battle. If you're playing Mahomes or Josh Allen, good luck. 337-269-1077. Lines let up. Let's head to the phone lines right now. Good morning. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Hello. Hey. Hey, what's up, Kyle? Good morning, man. Good morning. Uh, That game last night was probably the greatest football game I've ever seen. And I know you're saying the whole playoffs were great this weekend, but well, that was the reality, be- that was the best game of the four. I mean, it was in, well, in it, reality it, it, the, the the Green Bay 
San Francisco game was miserable, and I'm okay with it. I mean, it was that that's the reason you have games at the North Pole in January is so you can have miserable football. That's what the NFL wants. They want it miserable football in January. That's the kind of game you had. What 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 thrilled me personally about it was being able to watch Aaron Rodgers become an absolute non-factor in that football game because of the weather that they always insist that the teams from the north get the advantage on during you know the postseason. But let's put the, let's put it like this with the overtime rule. If they want to really change the overtime rule, then they need to let the Saints get back in the playoffs and win a game in overtime the way that Kansas City did, and then next year the rule will be changed magically. I've never seen – I never saw anybody make so many rules changes to the rule book, which didn't seem like anything was wrong with me with the way their own sidekick was done. Didn't seem like anything was wrong with me to, with the way the overtime was done until the Saints won. When the Saints win, then they'll make sure they change all of these rules. As far as I'm concerned, though, Scott, really – they should do like college. Put the ball on the 25-yard line and let them hammer it out. Second or third overtime, make them start doing two-point conversions because it's obvious that the two-point conversion must be the toughest play to, 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 to uh, con- uh, convert in all of in the NFL. The very few teams can seem to convert a two-point conversion at any time. So that that right there ought to settle these games in a fair manner and get it done in a hurry. But the NFL is not going to do anything that makes any common sense to anybody anytime in the near future. I don't figure they will. So, uh, but like you said, if it would have been if it would have been New England or if it would have been Dallas, if it would have been somebody like Green Bay or somebody like that, and that had happened. Uh, one of the more popular teams, this probably wouldn't become a subject today. But since it's Kansas City and everybody's on the Josh Allen bandwagon this week, they'll they'll pet his flesh and come up with some other stupid reason that we should change the rule book. And maybe it'll happen, but I doubt it. But if the Saints yeah. ever win like that, you can bet it will happen. Here's the other thing everyone's right. got to. Re- here's the other thing everyone needs to remember. It's it's the divisional round. Like, if you get two garbage championship games and a lousy Super Bowl, maybe. But if this had happened next week or in the Super Bowl, I would say change is coming. Everyone's still in the moment right now. If they have one or two more great games, it's not going to be the, the, the big topic of conversation well, leading Saints into the postseason. The Vikings, when the Saints yeah, and that was to go Vikings, to the Super the Bowl, Vikings, and, and, and they were crying with, about Brett well, Favre. Yeah, I mean, but, if, if that with, happened in the divisional yeah. round, I don't... I, there's exactly. the, the, the timing the of it. The timing over. of it makes a big difference. They turned the football over half a dozen times, and they wonder why Four the times. Vikings had more offense than we did. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it's because we never had more than twenty yards to travel for a touchdown. Yeah, and Favre, because you know, you oh, Favre, Favre's not over. in the Favre's not in the Super Bowl. He shouldn't have shown. He shouldn't have thrown a pick when he was in the field goal range at the end of regulation. But well, that that yeah, you throw that in there to boot with all the fumbles they had. But nobody thought about that. Oh, the Vikings outplayed the Saints. They actually did. I mean, no, is, they did not play is, the Saints. This is, uh, but, we don't, I, I'm not disagreeing with you, Kyle, but we don't need to debate a game from you know 12 years ago. Uh, I mean, not, not yeah, after but, the weekend right, we just right, had. Didn't, 
was that rule not changed? Yes, was it, it, not changed? It, it was. But After now we've season, gone. Now we've gone into like dissecting uh, the NFC title game from twelve years ago, which I was there. It was awesome. But like, you know, yeah. Let's, let's, did, let's look at what happened last night. Change the rule? Did we not completely change? Yes, and you know, you know, the NFL changed the rule. We've been through ruined. it. We ruined. We ruined the uh, the the onside kick. The, the NFL just ruined it as any potential play to help be a big part of a game after the Saints used it to win the Super Bowl. Well, that, that, came I mean, many, was, that came many years later. I don't agree with you on that one. First I point I agree with you so. on. I don't think so. Yes. They started tweaking on it right then. It was that not. It was season. the next year. It was not what it is now, where you weren't allowed. You weren't allowed to line up. Well, no, guys they, on they, they've gone even extra further beyond to completely ruin it and make sure that nobody can even use it as any type of a potential, you know, game changing right, play. Which to me was one of the most exciting. I'm glad plays in we. En- I'm glad we enjoyed. Uh, I'm glad we enjoyed that game and and the weekend in football. It was awesome. It was awesome. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully right, we later. have some more good ones coming up soon, and uh, and not some stinkers. But yeah, I, I mean, come on, forty-two after the hour. Let's head back to the phone lines. Good morning, welcome in to the Great Scott Show. Hello. Here's a hot shot quarterback. Done it again. Hot shot. Hot shot quarterback. You're not a cursing in the house of that night now. What? What? Huh? Thank you, Ronnie. I think. I think. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. All right. All your betting odds from here on out. Full Super Bowl odds. Super Bowl MVP odds, point spreads and totals for the conference championship games coming up on Sunday. We'll give them all to you when we come back right after this on the Great Scott Show. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. If you were going to only make one wager, what direction should you go? I'll tell you next. Don't go anywhere. Hey, this is Rich Eisen, and you can hear me every day on ESPN Lafayette from noon to 3 on the Rich Eisen Show. He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, drop! Scott Prather on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. It does go well with a chicken. Welcome back into The Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette. Championship weekend in the NFL coming up Sunday. I mean, I don't see how they can top what they just did. For all of the complaining about the super wild card weekend and all oh, too much this and not enough this and the games weren't good and this and that. Got to complain no matter what. Even after the weekend that we just had, there's complaining. A lot of it about the overtime rule, but whatever. There's, you can't recreate that kind of entertainment level. When the stakes are that high... When the games are that good, when that game last night was that good, when the quarterback play was that good. I enjoy a great book. I enjoy a great television series, a great movie, all of it. But at their peak, they can't do what American football can do in that moment. They can't do what sports can do. I mean, Seth Lewis last hour was referencing, you know, 
March Madness and things that can happen in, in college hoops. And we talked a little college hoops. Talked a little bit about the Cajuns last hour. We'll talk to Coach Bob Marlin tomorrow, Coach Broadhead as well. We'll get into some other things tomorrow. Jay Walker will be in the studio in the 8 o'clock hour. But what we saw this past weekend, just awesome. Just awesome. You know, every single one of those games was memorable. Joe Joe Burrow says, I'm going to cut in line. I'm just going to go right here. First number one overall pick at quarterback to get to a conference championship game as, as, as quickly as he did. Number one overall pick. Year two, he's there. For the Bengals. They had never won a road playoff game in the history of their franchise until Saturday. The Aaron Rodgers storyline machine just continues to get revved up after what unfolded on Saturday night in Green Bay. The Rams tried so hard to pull DeVete from the jaws of victory, and it almost worked, blowing a 27-3 lead where they turned it over four times and were just consistently trying to blow the game and now it's tied late and then oh nope you forgot to cover the best receiver in football cooper cup two passes boom Matt stafford down the field field goal ball game and then last night's masterpiece one of the greatest i mean 25 points in the final two minutes four all or nothing drives to in regulation and an overtime that felt too short. The hit is over. I need more. The clock at all zeros for three of the four victories, and the other one a walk off TD and OT. That's why we love NFL football. Take your fandom out of it. Maybe your favorite, you know, your your favorite playoff wins ever, playoff weekends ever, or likely when your favorite team did something in the postseason. If you're old enough and have a team that you root for that's good enough to have done it before. But taking that out of it and just watching from an entertainment value standpoint, it was awesome. As far as the betting goes, I can't imagine the live betting at the end of that Chiefs-Bills game last night. If you were in on that, oof. Probably took a couple years off your life. Maybe it took a couple of dollars out of your bank account. Maybe it added more. I don't know. If you're going to bet, bet responsibly. Shout out DraftKings. Your Super Bowl odds, your favorite now, are the Chiefs at 6-5, to five, the Rams next up at 2-1, to one, the, Bing, uh, the 49ers next up at 9-2, to two, and the Bengals at 8-1. to one. Mahomes is the favorite to win Super Bowl MVP at nine to five. Matt Stafford is next at three to one. Jimmy Garoppolo, 13 to two, third on the list. No way. Cooper Cup, eight to one. Joe Burrow, 10 to one. Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Debo Samuel, they are all at 20 to one. Aaron Donald, 22 to one. George Kittle, 30 to one. The Chiefs are seven and a half point favorites over the Bengals this Sunday. In the AFC title game, the over-under in points in that one is 53.5. San Francisco at Los Angeles, the Rams minus 3.5. Rams could just stay at home from here on out if they want. 
Now, the Chiefs are still favored to win the Super Bowl, despite the fact that the Rams could have a home game. But let's be honest, they'll be playing at home this Sunday, and none of us are going to be surprised when the Niners have more fans in the stands than the Rams do because we saw it unfold like that just a little, what, two weeks ago. Two weeks and 15 days ago, it was like, wait, what? You're seeing the Niners fans pick up the noise in overtime where Matt Stafford's having to go to a silent, you know, silent count. I think if you're going to make any bets, just just bet a team you think is going to win on the money line this weekend. Don't look ahead to the Super Bowl yet. Just wait. You'll have plenty of things to bet on when it comes to the Super Bowl. Plenty. Plenty. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. As I said, tomorrow we'll dig more into the the NFL. We'll talk a lot of college hoops, little NBA, Pels in action tonight, though they won't have Brandon Ingram. And uh, Jay Walker will be in studio with me at 8. Conversation scheduled with Coach Broadhead and Coach Marlin, among others. It's going to be a great week on the show. Looking forward to talking to you guys throughout the week. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Don't go anywhere. The Dan Patrick Show is next, followed by The Rich Eisen Show. And shout out Elijah Mitchell, still playing playing well talk to you guys tomorrow stay warm this is espn lafayette the best ticket in sports 